Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Today we're going to be looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard, or the vineyard workers. This parable is one I'm sure most of you are familiar with. It's actually the third time in this series that uh, we've looked at it. Looking through this parable, I'll be focusing a lot on God's call to work. Again and again, I use this reference, but please do not be put off by it. I know it's the end of the holidays, and the idea of going back to work may not leave you with the best feelings, but the work that we are looking at today, or the approach to work, is centered around the idea of knowing God and drawing near to Him. And that may not feel like work to some, I would assume it's the reason that you're here today. But the idea of work is what we'll be focusing on today as we look through this parable. Before we get into it, I want to share with you two stories of men who answered God's call to work. One was a man who once said, I once felt about Christians the way I feel about communists. They have nothing, but they want to share it with me. When he he was a teenager, he pulled all sorts of strings to make a Christian youth camp happen in a country where this sort of thing was very hard to do. And on that very camp that he made happen, he gave his life to God. And the other person, a famous rapper, felt a calling to start a church. So he did, but it wasn't until three months into starting that very church that he gave his life to God. And these may sound like strange stories, but they resonate so much with me. I've always felt God's call to draw nearer to him. And even while I was so far off, I have witnessed God's grace and his work in my life as I respond to his call. Would you join me in committing this time to God in prayer? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be with with us here today and minister to us. Father, your word says that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and we all feel the pressures of work in our life. Um, I pray that this would not add pressure to anyone here today, but that we would come to you and find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name. Today, we're going to look at five points that I've drawn from this parable. And the first one I've called, work may never end. In a way, this parable begins, or at least the context of this parable begins, in the previous chapter. Jesus has made a statement about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this leads Peter to ask, in Matthew 19:27, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? This is the context of the parable. It's an answer to Peter's question. What's in it for us, or what's our reward? Since Peter asked the question, I would say that Jesus' answer is to Peter, even though it's for us. So we're going to look at how it affected Peter. Jesus first directly answers Peter in verse 28. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It's interesting that Peter is asking, what will our reward be for work? And Jesus seems to be saying, well, the first thing that you're going to do is more work. And not just any work, the work of a judge. I'm not sure exactly what Jesus had in mind. Even in our society, uh, the role of a judge is not something that you just fall into. It's almost as if this work 
leaving everything to follow Jesus, is not a means to an end. As if this work Jesus is calling us to is preparing us for more work. Eternal work may not sound so great to some, but eternal rest may also sound like a bad thing. Whatever we have learned of rest and work, I think we have a lot to learn from God on what rest and work are in him. The parable is found in Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16, and today I'm going to read it in the New International Version. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered them, I am not being unfair to you. Friend, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This brings me to my next point that I've, I've called our work is to seek God and provision is in his hands. Each worker received a denarius. A denarius at the time was a day's wages. So this makes sense. A day's work for a day's wages. The landowner seems fair. More than that, you might say. I imagine he entered into dialogue with the workers and agreed to paying them what they needed. And so we should remember we don't follow a God who is unable to sympathize with us and our needs. He is willing to listen to us, and he is the one who says, come now, let us reason together. But the landowner also paid the rest of the workers a denarius, and God has called us to work, and God will provide for our needs. In Matthew 6, 28 to 34, Jesus says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus talks about what we would use our denarius for, our daily needs, and he says that is why the world goes to work, but that is not why we go to work. These needs are not the purpose of our work. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to know God, to know and learn about his kingdom. This is the purpose and the reason of our work. God will provide for our needs, but they should not be our goal. Our relationship with God is not a transaction, like I'll give God ABC and then he'll give me XYZ. But I feel God is saying to us, your work is to know me and my work is to take care of you. The next point that it brings me to is that we are all equally unworthy, yet he has called us, not because we are worthy, but because he is love. As I said earlier, we're going to look at Peter, as this parable is in the context of answering a question from Peter. When Jesus first calls Peter to work, Peter had already been working all night. He'd been working for one purpose, to catch fish. Then Jesus comes along, a teacher, a carpenter, a nice guy, Peter must have thought so, because he let him borrow his boat, but not a fisherman. And he tells Peter, cast out your net. And it's at the wrong time, at night is when you catch fish. It's in the wrong place, They're not, they haven't gone out to the deep. And it's possibly in the wrong mood, not rested. I can't imagine working all night, sitting through a long sermon, and then feeling like going back to work. Possibly for the first time, Peter goes to work not to catch fish, but because Jesus has called him to work. And you know the story, Jesus provides abundantly. They catch more fish than they can handle, and Peter says to Jesus, go away from me, I am unworthy. But Jesus says, no, I've come for you. Follow me, and I'll take the work that you do, fishing, and take it, make it something greater. I'll make you a fisher of men. I love the picture that this scene paints of Jesus. I hope it encourages you as it encourages me. Jesus knew Peter, better than Peter knew Peter. And Peter's sin did not stop Jesus. Jesus called him not because he was worthy, but because the love Jesus had for Peter gave him value. In verses 5 to 7, the landowner goes out again and again and again, all through the day, even when there's only one hour left, this master is still looking for workers to come and work in his vineyard. And we may feel like we have no meaning and no purpose that we have no work, we may feel like it's five in the afternoon and we have nothing left to give, but let this assure us, not to be downcast, not to feel hopeless, God has a calling on our lives and that calling is to work. He's never stopped calling, as God just said to Israel when they were in a hopeless place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. The next point is that I've called find a job you love, and you'll never work another day. A group of workers grumbled. They grumbled against the master. They felt he should have given them more. And they missed something so important. And the reply that the master gives them, 
gives an indication to this. He answers one of them, and he addresses them as friends. They've had to endure hard work through the whole day, but they did not work alone. A relationship has developed through this long work day. And this master has become something more than just their employer. He has become a friend. It reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. I spent a few years in my younger days working overseas, and one of the jobs I had was an English teacher uh, at a kindergarten in Japan. It was out of my comfort zone, as I've only ever worked in construction. <laughs> but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this job most of the time. You see, I taught different classes in different districts in Tokyo, and in each class, I had a different co-teacher, a Japanese co-teacher that worked with me. All these Japanese teachers would give themselves English names. So I worked with a tailor, who was a lovely lady. I worked with a Teresa. I worked with a Jedi Knight. And I even worked with a demon. <laughs> and they were actually all very lovely people to work with. But then there was Dragon. Dragon, as he saw fit to call himself, was not the easiest person to work with. During and at the end of every class, he'd pull me aside could criticize everything that I did during the day. <laughs> and so a job that should be enjoyable, looking after some of the cutest kids that you can imagine, became very hard, and I really didn't enjoy it when I had to work with Dragon. I learned something, though, on this job, that however good or bad our work may be, what has the biggest effect on us is who we are working with. Jesus is our master, and he's called us to work, but not to work alone. We are not, working, we are not only working for Christ, but the beautiful thing is that we are working with him. This really does change our work. We're not working with a critical dragon. We're working with the very son of God who loves us deeply. And in Matthew, Jesus says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This brings me to my final point. And that is that Jesus is more important than our work, and he is our reward. The parable ends with this, so the last will be first and the first will be last. But that's not the end for Peter. We have another story of Peter working almost identical to the last. Jesus has just been crucified. Peter has gone back to the work he knows, fishing. Once again, he's fishing to catch fish, and once again, he's unsuccessful. Then he is called once again by his master, he doesn't recognize him, to fish. And once again, he is more than provided for. But then, at this point, we have a change in the story. Maybe a sign of growth. Peter, realizing that this is Jesus, does not hesitate. He leaves his fish, he leaves his friends, and he even leaves his boat, and he dives into the water and swims straight for Jesus. And Peter has learned something more important than provision, more important than work, more important than his reward. The meaning and the purpose, the reason and the ultimate reward is Jesus. Peter then went on to pen these words. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, 
to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our goal is to be effective and productive in our knowledge of Jesus, and it's the one thing that really matters. I'm going to share a quote that stuck out to me while I was preparing this. Um, It says, failure in life isn't not succeeding at something, but true failure is succeeding at something that ultimately does not matter. I'm sure most of you work in some form or another, and the average person will almost spend a third of their life at work. And I would challenge you that the best place and time to work for the kingdom, to learn and to grow in your knowledge of Jesus, is at your work. Putting these things that Peter wrote into practice, turn your work into God's work, because work itself is a calling from God. You know, I thought it was important what I identified myself as to others, who others believed that I was. And then I realized that that's not nearly as important as what I identify myself as to myself, who I believe I was. And I think this applies to work. It's not so important what other people see your work as or see our work as, but it is especially important what we see our work as. In John 6, Jesus says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They then asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. If musicians could please come come up. This is not about working to earn salvation. No one can do that. And some may work all night and catch no fish. Salvation is the work that Jesus has done on the cross, and our work is to seek him, and to know him is life eternal. As I finish this morning, I want to emphasize the points that we have looked at today. God's call to work is like no other. As I said, it never ends, but it never gets old either. This work is about preparing us for something that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. We are called to seek him with confidence, knowing that he cares for our needs. We are called not because we are worthy, but because of his love for us. And my final point is that Jesus is our reward, and he is much more important than any work we will ever do. Our Father's call reaches all of us, and it remains the same, to draw near to him. I do not know where any of you find yourselves today, but I do know that his arms are outstretched to all of us, and it's my prayer that this message will challenge us to stop a moment, cease our work, and draw nearer to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.